Good morning, Discovery family. How are you doing? Good to see you this beautiful Sunday. Hoping that you're having a great summer. Um, I'm having a great summer. Actually, last weekend we were with my wife. We went to Mexico and we were uh, eating a lot. I'll tell you the least. I feel ashamed. I'll tell you that. Yeah, I need, to, I need to go to the gym. But anyways, we had a great, a great time over there. We rest. We spent a great time with some friends. And um, we're so excited to be able to continue this conversation on Exiles. Um, Pastor Steve is on a break. He's on a summer right now break. And um, I would encourage you to pray for him to have a, a restful summer, to enjoy his time, to have fun, uh, enjoy, do a bunch of nothing if that's needed. But I pray for your pastor, Pastor Steve, and um, um, I'm sure he's going to have a great time. So I get to um, um, share this morning with you. Um, I get to uh, continue this conversation on exiles. Um, and one of the beautiful things about this conversation is that I believe it's going to challenge the way we perceive uh, ourselves, the way we perceive uh, the gifts that God has for us, and our action in this whole matter. See, we've been going through this uh, letter of Ephesians. And Ephesians is a very particular letter because, you know, that community of Ephesians is a community that was growing and multiplying at that time. It, it was located in a city that became at one point the epicenter of the Greek and the Roman gods. So that speaks into uh, the religious and, and, and mystical inclination that this community had. But they were captured by the message of Jesus. They were captured by this gospel, and they were invited to the point that they start multiplying themselves so fast that they start facing some challenges. And these challenges, Paul needs to address a couple of those things. See, because growth invites challenges many times. See, this letter is, is, is split into two portions. Pastor Steve already kind of tackled the first portion. And that has to do with this idea that, uh, that Jesus came into earth, in the, into human history, and he started this multi-ethnic movement of believers. The second portion of this letter has to do with uh, how this message, how this story of Jesus should have an impact in the way that you and I live life. How this gospel, how this message should impact the way we treat our neighbors. How this message should impact the way we live as a community. So this message is go, it goes beyond just information, data, statistics. But it impacts the human heart and the way we behave and the way we treat each other. That's the kind of like the big picture of this idea. And today I get to speak to you about this fourth chapter. Ephesians, if you have your Bible, you can go with me. If you don't have it, we're going to have it here on the screen. If you can go with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. And it says, however, he, he has given each uh, one of us special gifts through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, when he ascended to the highest, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that he says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to, our church, to the church. The apostles, prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers 
The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come in such a unity in our faith and full and complete standard of Christ. Can I have a question for you. Have you ever been given something that you knew you didn't deserve or earn it? And I'm not saying something basic, but something that it, it was very important. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I received something that I feel I didn't deserve it. See, when I went to college and I was doing my, I remember nothing. I honestly, it's bad. It's bad. I was in my early 20s. And I remember that I, I, I don't remember doing exams. I don't remember doing quizzes. I don't remember doing homework. I don't even remember buying books. How do I pass this class? I don't know. I do not know how to actually achieve this bachelor's degree. I remember showing up to class hoping that I knew what they were talking about. I promise you. And as, as soon as they would talk something that I knew, I would kind of like jump in so that I, it looked like I knew what I was talking about and I was okay with that. I was hoping that my, my final exam would be like a project because I was good at that. I can, you know, figure it out. So I do not remember putting any attention, giving my all into that bachelor's degree. And I, I have an excuse. You know, I was traveling a lot in that time. I was promoting the school. I was trying to bring people to the school. But that, that's the excuse that I told myself. But I remember when I graduated, and looking back now in my early 20s, I didn't deserve that bachelor's degree, if I'm quite honest with you. I didn't put the effort that it was needed. But I got it. And that set me up for the future. And let me tell you, in my master's degree, I pay everything that I didn't do in my bachelor's degree. Trust me. This, I didn't sleep. I did, it's just, yeah, everything that I didn't do at that time. But that gift, that, that, that bachelor's degree set me up for my future, even though I do feel that I didn't deserve it or earn it. But I still got it. See, this is a very important thing that Paul is trying to point out to this community of people. And this is... The generosity of God. See, because when you grow, it requires awareness. See, God does not want you and me to grow for the sake of grow and not pay attention of what's happening around us. God wants us to be aware of every detail and neons in our lives so that we know what's happening around us. And Paul is trying to point out something to this community of people that probably they didn't know about this God. Let me just tell you, because being in a community and in a city where they have the Greek and the Roman gods, a God that is generous is not something that they know. They, their gods were pretty stingy, very narcissistic, bipolar sometimes. You don't even know where the, you stand with these gods. And Paul is trying to teach this new community that is growing so fast that there's a God. This God actually is generous with them. He's trying to help them understand as they grow, as they multiply, that this God is a generous God. See, verses previous to this one, Paul is talking about church unity. But all of a sudden he jumps into individual diversity. In other words, he goes from unity of function to distinction of personality. See, because God does not desire uniformity. He wants unity. See, because for us, 
We feel safe when we talk the same, we look the same, we act the same. But for Paul, diversity is needed in our communities because that brings growth and maturity. See, Paul is trying to point out that this gives that God has given us is pure generosity. That you and I didn't for it. That you and I were not good looking enough or cute enough to woo Jesus to give us those gifts. That this gifts comes from his generosity, from the giver of everything. See, I know it's hard for us to understand that, that we need to sit in this generosity. I know for us, because we love to achieve and obtain and work hard for things, that we don't want no, nobody to give us anything for free because we don't want to own anyone anything. But for God, Paul is letting us know, I want you to sit down in the awkwardness and the uncomfortable space of generosity. Because sometimes you do not own and earn anything from your creator. It's just pure generosity and grace. In other words, you and I don't have the space for us to boast about what we have. That's what Paul is trying to engage with this community. See, if we continue verse 8, he says, he, he pushes back to something very important. That's why the scripture says when he ascended to the highest, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Have you ever read the Bible and been like, what are we talking about? Really? We're going in this conversation and all of a sudden I feel like I'm over there. Like, what are you talking about? But this is very important because what Paul is doing, he's appealing into a psalm, Psalm 68. This psalm is written by David after he won a, he, he has a victory. And, and, and pretty much what Paul is doing, he's, he's bringing a summary of this psalm. That one point, when you will win this battle, they will have a parade. And this parade, they will walk all the way to Mount Zion. But in this particular psalm, David attributes the victory to God. A God that parades not all the way to Mount Zion, but all the way to heaven. And maybe you're like, what are we talking about? How does this significant to us? Hear me out. See, because in history, after a king will win a military victory, he will bring the spoils of the war, including prisoners. And they will display them in a parade. In addition, he will bring any of his own soldiers that were, that were captured by his enemy. And he will display them in, the, in, uh, in, in this parade and celebrate them and honor them. And he will free them as a celebration to what he did. But not just that. Paul connects our lives to these people that were captive. People that were almost with no hope. People that couldn't bring themselves back to that space. People that probably their families already mourned their lust. Paul is saying you were that like those people. And this God brought you back, parade you, celebrate you, and honor you. And he released you. And not just release you. Paul adds another layer. He gives you something. And this is found in verse 11. Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, evangelists, and the pastors, and the teachers. The responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. 
I want you to notice something very important about this. For those who have been in church for quite a bit of time, many times we hear these verses and this conversation in leadership spaces. But I want you to understand something. Paul is not addressing a leadership. Paul is addressing a whole community. This community has between three to five years old, so they do not earn a theological degree. They do not have a lot of knowledge about who Jesus is. Actually, there's a mix of group of people where they have a lot of marginalized people. Women, slaves, foreigners. This is the group of people that, that Paul is talking about. Not special people, not leadership, because it's not, this portion is, the purpose of this portion is not leadership, it's service. It's service. And it's important that you and I understand the purpose of these gifts. Because when you and I don't understand the purpose of a gift, we can misuse it or we can undervalue that gift. See, you know, maybe you've kind of seen me around and you know that I love to accessorize myself. I like rings and watches and chains and they're cheap. Let me just tell you that. cheap. I don't have the type of money. I don't want you to think like, well, why are we paying this pastor? You know, like, what is he doing with his life, you know? Um, cheap. And um, I, love, I love to buy it. But you know what? In, in my culture as a Mexican, in special moments when you graduate school, get baptized, very special moments. Some of our parents make the effort to buy their kids maybe a gold ring, gold chain, gold bracelet. I said an expression of affirmation and celebration to their kids. And hoping that those things can actually go through generation and generation. So my dad did that with me when I was in, in elementary school, when I got out of middle school, when I got, graduated college. Now, my dad made the effort to buy me a ring and a bracelet when I was 15. The problem with me being 15 is that I do not care about anything. I don't. And I decided that I wanted some new soccer shoes. Yeah, because I have nothing else to do with my life. So I go and pawn my, my gifts from my dad. They don't even give me what is worth. They don't give me anything. I don't even remember how much they give me, but it was almost nothing. It was almost probably half of what it, the value of my ring and my bracelet. And I remember going and pawning the, my bracelet, my ring, and going... And buying my soccer shoes and my soccer gear. Ask me if I remember. No. Ask me if I still have it. No. I do not have none of those things. And now that I look back, I'm so mad at myself. Because they were so valuable. They were for my dad to me. And you know why? Because I didn't understand the purpose and the value of those gifts. So I misuse it and I undervalue the gifts. See, I want you to understand this. You and I cannot get our purpose right if we get the gift of God wrong. We need to understand the value of what God has given us. See, Paul goes as far as in letting us know what the gifts are. Apostle, prophets, evangelists, pastors or shepherds, teachers. Now, I do not want you to get scared about these terms. I know some of you guys have been in church for quite a bit of time, and you already have this idea, this notion of how this look, should look like. But can I give you a different perspective? See, 
Alan Hirsch wrote a book called 5K, Reactivating the Original Intelligence and Capacity of the Body of Christ. This book changed the way I perceive these gifts. It gave me the language for me to understand what these gifts look like in 2022. I'm going to give you 0.00001% of what he's talking about. You can buy yourself. You can read it on your own time. But one of the things is that he gives us language of how these gifts look now in 2022. And maybe you have never been in church and maybe this is the first time you hear these terms. I hope you can get what I'm talking about. Because many times we get them wrong. See, um, one of my good friends, I want to say three weeks ago, I got invited by him to go to Napa wine tasting. And he was like, hey, I have a friend that I want you to meet. Uh, and I want, you to, I want you to talk to him about God. I was like, great. I was like, why don't you talk to him about God? Why me? He was like, no, I want you to talk to him about God. I was like, oh, by the way, he doesn't go to church. He kind of hates it. And um, good luck. I was like, oh, I'm a pastor. Because as soon as people know that I'm a pastor, they, they're afraid of me. Like I'm going to eat them or something, you know. <laughs> and um, so we're, we're wine tasting. And all of a sudden, my friend, randomly, he drops this bomb. He says, oh, by the way, he's a pastor. And the kid looks at me. He's like, I was like, here we go. And my friend tells me, oh, yeah. And his parent, his dad is a preacher. And his dad believes that he has a prophetic gift. And the kid, as soon as he heard that, he was like, oh, no, 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 no. I don't want none of that. He was like, my parents put a lot of, a lot of responsibility in me. They, they have these expectations. They want me to graduate college. They want me to do this. They want me to do that. And they plus, they want me to be a prophet. No, 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 no. I don't want none of that. I can sense his pain. And, I, and inside of me, I knew also that he was a rapper. So I, I interfered in the conversation and I was like, hey, friend. I was like, do you know prophets tend to be very creative? They have the ability to, very artistic. They, they tend to, to know how to grab complex messages and use art to communicate a very complicated message. I was like, you're, you're a rapper, right? He was like, yeah. I was like, maybe that's your prophetic gift. And he was quiet and silent. Later on, he took it so serious that I saw his social media and he posed, hey, are you, really, are you ready for my new release? Here are my new prophecies. He took it that serious. Friends, for us, how does that look like in 2022? Can I just go really quick? See, prophets... And I have them in the back. Prophets tend to be poets, reformers. They, to be, they tend to be mini machines and warriors. Their expression and culture, they tend to be artists, activists, futurists. They advocate for people. These are prophets. Apostles tend to be founders, visionaries, pioneers, adventurers. Their expression and culture tend to be innovators, entrepreneurs, organizational designers, movement makers, business leaders, imagineers. Evangelists, they tend to be messengers, achievers. They have a strong sense of belief. Storytellers. The expression and culture tend to be mobilizers, sales journalists, motivational speakers. Shepherds, they tend to be defenders, peacemakers, helpers, servants. The expression and culture, they tend to be loyalists, guardians, cultivators, health workers, mediators. And teachers, 
They tend to be thinkers, observers, philosophers, scientists. The expression and culture, instructors, investigators, mentors, accountants, educationalists. See, friend, our understanding of these gifts is limited many times. And we miss and we undervalue what God has given us. See, what Paul is trying to let us know, that these gifts are used to equip our community of faith. See, he uses this word in verse 12. And he says, uh, um, their responsibility is to equip God's people. This word equip means make right. It's like when a broken broken bone is put it back. They put it back. This is what it means to equip people. To put as we serve people. In other words, friends, that the growth, that the maturity, that the strengthening and the flourishment of our community is in the other side of us serving each other. In other words, you own me your gift and I own you my gift. And not in in an entitled way. Because you and I cannot say that we love our neighbor and we don't actually use our gift to serve other people. See, you and I can be impacted by the activity or the lack of that gift. See, how many of you guys love um, budgeting? Like some of you guys love budgeting? All right, all right. See, I saw only one hand. And you know which one it is? Justice. And, and, and yeah, James applauded. But, you know, one of the things about, I love about Justin is that I see him walking in the back. And he tells randomly, which is picking things up. And he's like, hey, do you have a budget? Randomly. I was like, dang, that's bull. That's bull. You know, one of the things about Justin is that he has this gift of he knows how to develop financial strategy. His financial strategy helps you to bring direction, um, peace, and freedom. See, he, he knows. I, I just met with him because I know that I have a very bad budget. You know what I, I know how had a bad budget? When he asked me, tell me about your budget. How does that look like? And I was like, it's in my mind. That's not a good thing. I don't like budgeting, I'm sorry. But I see the value of it. So I, that's why I wanted to sit down with him. And you know the interesting thing is that he brings a lot of meaning to something that perhaps to me is meaningless. He helps you understand and develop a strategy in margin so that you can have peace, joy, and build your future. I just imagine how many of us will be robbed from the opportunity to experience freedom and joy. If he would have said, this gift is only for me. I won't be sharing this. I will only enjoy the benefit on my own gift. See, fa- family, Paul is inviting us. He's inviting us to serve each other. See, the argument of Alan Hirsch with this book is saying that the gifts is a representation of God's character here on earth. The God that you and I are not able to see, he makes himself known through the gifts and us serving each other. That's what it is. See, these gifts should bring maturity, friends. These gifts should bring unity. See, we keep going in verse um, 
verse 13, he says, This will continue until we all come in such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. In other words, there's maturity and unity in the other side of us serving each other. See, this community of people, these Ephesians, they were having a, a hard time because they will allow teachers and people to come among them and give their opinion about the story of Jesus, and that would, and they were allowed to, to be divided, maybe, right? We're still struggling with those things. We're still fighting against those, against those things. And the Ephesians are fighting against these things. But Paul is saying, hey, if you actually serve each other, this will help you grow in unity and in maturity. What maturity? According to Paul, to the measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. See, that you and I can live to the standard of Jesus, to the humanity that Jesus invites us to live. That Jesus has the capacity to unlock in us the version of humanity that is more kind, more bold, more compassionate, more generous, more loving. That when we tap into the measure of Jesus, he invites us to our full humanity. That he moves us to reclaim the original version of us that is connected to the image of God. That is the maturity that we're looking for. And we're invited to. As I close this and I invite the band to come forward. I want you to understand this. I think I have a last picture at the end. You see this furniture outside. I'll tell you, I'm quite honest with you. Like, when I see this picture, I don't see much. You see furniture, old furniture that needs to probably get rid of, old. But my wife sees something different. See, my wife has this creative mind that I envy and I dislike sometimes, or most of the time. She has the capacity to see beyond. See, for her, she sees art. She sees a new kitchen, a new living room. I only see work. I only see that she's going to make me do something, and I don't want to do it. But she has a capacity to, to see something different than me. Actually, she can, a new living room, a new kitchen, maybe something for our room. See, for me, I'm just so caught up in the idea that it's just, it's messy. I don't want to deal with it. I don't want to work with it. That I'm not able to see the capacity and the fullness of what it could be. But Gavi does. Something that you and I need to understand is that God is an artist. That the way he sees things is not the way we see things. That he has the capacity to bring different things together, diversity, distinctive gifts together, and put them together and make it work. For some of us, it's too, it's too messy. It's this hard. But I love what he says towards the end, verse 16. 
Paul says, he makes, talking about Jesus, the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. He has the capacity to put these pieces together. And sometimes we get so caught up in the, in the messiness. It's like, how is this thing is going to come together? How are we going to put it together? No, no, no. That's not our job. Our invitation is you serve each other. You use your gifts to serve each other. And that will bring maturity and unity. And I will take care of the putting it together. You might not see the full picture. You might not be able to see how this works. But I do see it. So friends, family, I don't know where you find yourself today. Maybe today you find yourself in this place where it's hard for us for you to, to believe that there's a God who is giving you gifts and is entrusting you with something. I've been there. Maybe you're in this place where you're trying to figure it out what those gifts look like in your own life. And maybe you have sit down way too long with those gifts. And you have put plenty of excuses why you're not able and you don't have time to serve other people. Maybe the reason why other people are not growing and maturing is because we haven't actually taken action from our part. And I'm sorry if I'm a little bold, but I think that's sometimes what is required in this moment. There is an invitation for you and me to be part of what he's building. And as we build people and we build his community and his church, he will build us. You and me. So today, family, as we close and we jump into this moment of communion and remembering what Jesus did for humanity, this sacrifice, my desire for you is that you lean into what your creator and the giver of everything is telling you this morning. If you feel comfortable, I would love to pray for you. If you feel comfortable, can you close your eyes for a moment? Giver of everything. We're grateful for everything that you have done in our lives. Understanding where of this invitation, God, where you inviting us to serve and be part of it. Help us understand the gift that you have entrusted us so that we can expand and multiply and, and use it and we can see the value of it. The people can be impacted and changed and transformed by what we do, not by what we say. Help us, God, to find the group of people that need this. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen.